Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. I'm uh, I'm Roger, and I'm flying solo today. Connor is uh, working hard planning uh, planning for our one day intensive, which is. By the time you hear this, it's going to be over by now. Um, really looking forward to our event. Today, we've got a very special guest. His name is Mr. Graham Young. Graham is all about disruptive performance coaching, which we're going to learn all about, I'm sure. It's innovating the world of personal coaching and human development. His proven practical and science-based process accelerates how you change and grow as an individual by, by elevating your performance, communication, happiness, confidence, and productivity. So once again, Mr. Graham Young. Hey, Graham, welcome to the show. Hey, Roger, how you doing? Fantastic. So we always like to ask our guests when we start off, uh, what is it that you do? Let's set a little context and how did you get into it? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a disruptive performance strategist and essentially what I do is I coach individuals on a number of things. Um, one is I try to help them really determine what their passion and purpose is in life um, and I use a relatively practical and science-based sort of strategy to get get to that point. And um, on the other end, I also work with businesses and other individuals to help people essentially elevate their performance at work and uh, elevate their confidence and, you know, their happiness in life as well. And so, you know, did this just come out of the blue? How long have you been doing this? Um, did you go through, a, you know, some sort of a training program? You know, walk us through the steps. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I essentially have been doing this business, I created the business about a year ago. And I got in, I mean, over the last decade or so, I've been studying a lot of neuroscience and psychology and personal development type stuff. And um, about, you know, five years ago, I, I over the last five years, I would say I lost uh, a couple of important people in my life. Um, one was a business mentor of mine, and I um, lost him to suicide. And then I lost my mom about three years ago to cancer. And while I was going through those times, I was kind of realizing, you know, first of all, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, how successful you are. We all have difficulties in our life. We all have challenges. We all have personal issues we go through. And seeing them go through those challenges was obviously difficult on me. Uh, but I also realized, you know, if I didn't really know a lot of the stuff I've been studying all these years and also what my mom had kind of been teaching me as well, um, it would have been a lot harder to get through it. So I kind of had this inspiration to kind of start taking my knowledge and sort of sharing it with people and um, applying it to other other parts of my life. And, um, as I was doing that, um, I just kind of realized it was really a, a passion that I had and it just kind of started sort of directing me and focusing me on, on creating this business and, you know, really trying to just create a difference in people's lives and help people if they ever have to go through those situations. And another kind of really big issue for me was, um, studying a lot of the self-help stuff out there. I was kind of getting frustrated by the fluffy, impractical advice that was being given. You know, I'm sure I've asked millions of people and everyone kind of gave me the same, same kind of response, you know, self-help and, and I, and I feel the exact same way. I just kind of found it, some of it a bit corny, some of it great. Um, and so I just really realized that, you know, if I was in someone else's shoes facing those challenges or business challenges or personal life challenges, and I went to go to a self-help or just, um, bookstore or whatever it is to learn about how to better myself, it's probably one of the most confusing things to do. Like which book do you read? How many books do you have to read? And how long does it take? So I just tried to, and then really some of them, some of them say a lot of the same thing, but just in different, different packaging. And exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like the books are 500 pages long and you know, it just kind of, it's, it's, I think it's, it's probably one of the more confusing things that people can kind of try to uh, tackle in their life. Right. So that was kind of one of the inspirations. Wow. I, lots, lots to unpack there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
if we could go back, you, you know, you had mentioned that you you lost uh, a mentor to suicide, and, the, and then you you know you lost your, your mom, and I'm, I'm very sorry to, to hear this. Yeah. You know, we we would probably define that as as a defining moment or or defining moments. Did you know at the time that life was going to change for you, um, and that this was a sort of you know not necessarily even the coaching direction, but you were going to go down a, a different path than you perhaps thought. Uh, yeah, abs- uh, when my when my mentor passed away, no, I I was it was a bit longer ago, and it was it was just a massive shock uh, to to you know find out someone would you know kind of do those kind of things. When my mom, I, I sort of my mom's uh, passing was fortunately quite gradual when she was going through cancer. So, uh, yeah, definitely when I when I started to sort of start going through all that stuff, and I remember I was working a job and I was only only able to work kind of half days. And, um, at that time I sort of started noticing that I was actually doing better at my job, only working four hours a day and having all this stress in my life. And I was like, what's going on? How am I able to do that? But I was like, I was proud of myself, but I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is something pretty unique here that I could, that I could share with other people as well. And, um, and then the more I dug into sort of the the science behind everything, I just kind of, yeah, I kind of wanted to keep sharing it. So you, you talk about uh, disruptive performance coaching as, you know, sort of focusing on that purpose. And, and, and I'm assuming that's, you know, your why. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Yeah, I, I, it boils lo- back to a lot of the stuff I mentioned about. I, uh, you know, I want to create this really science-based practical s- approach to to how we can better ourselves you know my mom and was probably the biggest inspiration she always taught me a lot about personal development i was younger and so i have this kind of uh you know purpose inside of me to just really uh, help people improve their lives as easy as possible and to just uh, cut through the noise and to give them just real science-based facts on what they can do to apply to their life right now to get the quickest results you know you don't i've through my studies that you don't need to take years and all these books and all these courses because it just kind of ends up causing a lot more confusion. Uh, when I saw my mom going through a lot of her difficulties and her cancer, I saw her trying to uh, uh, get better. I saw her trying to take, she took the, the um, a natural route. She chose not to go with chemotherapy. And so she was learning all about a lot of stuff with natural remedies and personal development. And she, and I saw her every day trying to do these affirmations and just, it was, and ended up causing her more stress by doing this self-help, um, these self-help, uh, strategies and reading these books. She was getting overwhelmed by the millions of books she was reading. And so I thought, this is, this is silly, you know, it's supposed to do one thing, but she's getting overwhelmed by it. So that's a big part of me wanting to sort of simplify it for people as well. So, so I walk into your, I walk into your office and I, uh, you know, I become a, a new client of yours, you know, walk me through what that process is like. How, you know, how do you, how do you work with your, your clients? Sure. It, I guess it depends on, who I'm working with. Obviously everyone's going to be a bit different. Um, but number one, I, when I work with people, it's, I find in terms of the disruptive performance, the number one thing is to really do an in-depth assessment. I feel like a lot of time people nowadays, we just don't spend enough time looking inward, you know, and it's natural, especially as guys, you know, like, uh, we, we, we live in a society where, you know, it to be emotional is uh, weak as a guy. And even for girls, it's not a good thing either. And so uh, we're f- forced to kind of stop looking inwards. And um, I think bettering yourself is not easy. You know, f- uh, being honest with yourself about where your weaknesses are, um, whether it's in your relationships or in your career or just on a personal level is is very hard to do. Uh, so I try to really 
get people to know themselves inside out, you know, understand exactly why you think the way you do, why you feel the way you do in certain situations and why you act the way you do. Uh, cause a lot of the time, you know, people don't really know what is most important to them in their life. They don't really know what they truly value. And then they kind of get, start getting confused when their actions aren't producing the results they want. And they kind of get stuck in this cycle of, continuously going through the same sort of cycle of, you know, producing the same results and getting the same outcomes. And then it just gets us frustrated and they just don't really know where they're at. So really kind of honing in on what they are, um, everything kind of uh, in, um, about them and kind of what they know about themselves. And is that where the disruptive comes in? I mean, you're breaking that cycle. You, you know, you're, you're sort of um, forcing, forcing me to, to uh, stop, take assessment on, you know, really understand. It's kind of like the, you know, the definition of insanity is yeah. know, doing the same thing over and over. Sure. Right. You know, you're, 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 uh, you're breaking up that, that cycle. Yeah, no, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, disruptive, uh, I created the, the term because one, I really wanted to disrupt the self-help industry. Um, like I said, I was just kind of sick and tired of the same impractical, fluffy advice that business people, business executives, business professionals, I feel don't take, don't take seriously. And I, and I don't blame them. I, I don't take a lot of this stuff personally. So I wanted to disrupt the self-help industry. I wanted to really bridge business science and the self-help industry to kind of bring them together. And so that's kind of where the disruptive part is coming in and is, is, is changing the, the approach to it all and bridging those kind of three areas, but also disrupting those old thought patterns and just kind of, uh, you know, getting in the way of those old ways of thinking and, and, and implanting sort of new ways of, of approaching life. Right. And you, you know, you brought, you broached it earlier. You talked about how it's not easy for men to look within and, and, and sort of be more introspective. Um, why do you think that is? You, you mentioned it was because of our masculinity and we're, you know, is, is it vulnerability? We're afraid of what's inside? You know, that's a great question. I think, I think it's a lot. I think, yeah, definitely one society uh, we've been, you know, it's, it's not long ago where, you know, I'm sure both of our, our, our dads, you know, were, were, you know, my dad was born in England and he went to a boarding school and, you know, he was taught to not show his emotions, you know, and, and I still notice that in, in today. Right. And we're still kind of, you know, um, you know, trying to get better at that figure, you know, yeah. you know, and I think you see it with, with a lot of people and it's just, I think um, it's, it's hard to admit where you're weak, you know, and it's hard, it's not fun. I mean, like, you know, I, a lot of time I, sort of look inwards because of my business and try to better myself and understand more about myself so I can apply it to other people's lives. But it's not fun. It's like, you know, you come across these issues that you're facing. You're like, well, why am I thinking that way? And it's, and you start digging deeper and it's, it's, it's not enjoyable to kind of really go through the process. So it's, it's, I think that alone kind of steers people off. And then we often end up just kind of trying to cover it up with, you know, sports or, yeah. or whatever, which is not a big deal, but, uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, if we want to really kind of perform at our peak in our business, if we want to make the best of our relationships and really just be the person that we know we want to be, then we kind of have to do it. Because I think a lot of a lot of us know, you know, the type of person we want to be, but we also see the things we're doing that's not in line with that. Right. So I think, um, you know, if we can do that, we can kind of line those those areas up in our life. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, having that conversation with yourself and sort of, you know, sometimes it digs up things that, that are a bit, a bit negative and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that's because men see that voice in their head or that conversation with themselves as sort of an opposition that's judging them or, or, I mean, I, I find, and it's taken a, a long time, but that, that kind of voice in my head that, 
that is uh, is talking to me um, over times can be a bit judgmental and 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 uh, negative. Uh, is it is it a matter of understanding? I guess what I guess what I'm trying to say is you know the science side of thing is is you know at the end of the day you need to re- recognize that that voice in your head is is your conscience and, and sure. your brain and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff and you need to have a relationship with it. It's not a separate entity yeah. of you. It is you. <laughs> um, so is it fair to say that you need to kind of just admit that it's not going to go away. It's, it's going to, it's going to be there for the rest of your life. So you might as well find a, you know, a positive relationship with it. I think that's a good way of looking at it. I, I, I personally, and it's a unique way of looking at it. I mean, I think I don't, I haven't really thought of it exactly in that way, but I think it's, but I know, but I think, I, I think it's a really great way of looking at it, to be honest. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're always going to, you know, I think a lot of times people don't enjoy being, you know, by themselves a lot because they end up thinking about things, right? And so we, we we try to hang out with friends. We try to distract ourselves, like especially nowadays in 2015, our, you know, I think I was reading some some report and listening to some guy and he was saying the average human loses um, their uh, train of thought six to ten times per minute. And, you know, nowadays with, you know, and you know, with when you have your phone near you, when you have the TV going, you have people contacting you, texts, emails, everything, so many social media sites that we're trying to keep up to, there's always something to be doing. And so nowadays, especially, it's so easy to distract ourselves and so easy to really numb ourselves from what's going on in life. So, you know, if you go through something bad in your relationship or in your family or in your work, and rather than actually sitting there going, okay, why did this happen? What do I need to do and change? We pull up the phone, we get distracted by that, and we sort of pay our attention to the TV or whatnot. And it's just, um, it, it can often sort of slow our, our development down in a sense because we kind of become reliant on these, on technology in a sense. So, do you call yourself a coach? I, yeah, I, yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. <laughs> well, what, what, what is your definition of coach and what does being a coach mean to you and, and to your clients? For sure. Yeah. I mean, the reason I said is I, I've had a hard time to relate myself to a coach just because, and again, it's not that I have anything against coaches and millions of life coaches. You're not the first guest that said that. Said okay. This. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the word self-help. It's kind of like the word life coach. I don't like those terms and because they've gotten a bad rap, you know, uh, I, I think um, unfortunately um, the life coaching industry because of a lot of people who are in it and don't know much about, you know, a lot of the, about what they're actually doing or a lot of, like I was saying, kind of fluffy and impractical advice where people kind of are more opinionated right. to give their opinion versus actually real sort of structured advice. And, it, and it's unclear as to what, is an accredited coach. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people just apply coach to the end of their title and, totally. and nobody's really, nobody's really, um, uh, assessing, you know, the industry as a whole and, and giving it a, a board and a legend, you know, for sure. Yeah. There's so many different, uh, different, so many of them out. And again, I'm not trying to, uh, put down any, cause I know a lot of great coaches out there and I know they would agree with me. Um, but I just think that, you know, there's these, it's the overzealous coach that's trying to, um, push stuff on their clients. And I think, um, when life coaches, they can often, uh, it's almost like when, you know, you get into, um, you know, a multi-level marketing platform, you know, it's, it's, you end up, turning to your friends right. to find clients and it ends up giving a bad rep and they're always throwing their, 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 their own opinions and advice on people. So I, yeah, personally it's just, um, 
I don't like the term too much, but yes, at the end of the day, I am a coach. And, um, yeah, my, my focus is just kind of like I was kind of saying, just focus on the science-based strategies behind everything, help people be aware of why they think the way they do, and then just provide my own unique strategy that's designed for 2015. To- do you have a, do you have a success story you like to talk about or, uh, you know, w- with a specific client, obviously not mentioning names, but give me an example of a, a cool turnaround. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I had, uh, one gentleman. And when I first started working with him, he honestly, he hated his job. Uh, he felt like he was being underappreciated. He didn't enjoy anything he was doing there. He said, you know, every time I'm around people, I, I, I get caught up in my head. I, 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 I've been misunderstood by my colleagues. Um, I have a hard time communicating with them. So I overprepare before I meet them. I overanalyze and overthink during the conversation. And then when it doesn't go my way, I, I walk away and overanalyze it even more. And I'm always in my head and, you know, I just can't seem to resolve conflict either at work. And I'm just, and so anyways, we, we kind of work together on a lot of, you know, different things, um, understood that, you know, one of his biggest fears is rejection and one of his biggest kind of uh, life values is, is achievement and, and being recognized for, for, for what he, for what he's done and which he wasn't getting at work. Um, so we sort of worked on a lot of those kind of things and, um, and just tried to sort of align them with his, his behaviors and, and, and how he was feeling and provided some, put some sort of strategies in place for how he would, uh, sort of handle some of those conflicts. And, um, and now he's, you know, he sent, he actually just sent me a testimony the other day, just about how, you know, how he's actually loving work. Now he went from kind of wanting to leave the job and find a new one right away to now. And he's in a position where he's actually loving the job. And then he even said, you know, when he's around people, he's actually able to kind of emotionally kind of step back when something goes wrong and just kind of assess the situation while it's happening. And then versus kind of remote emotionally kind of react to it. He can kind of decide how he wants to react. And what's the, I mean, what's the, what's the science behind that? You you know, you, when you say stand back and emotionally, you know, assess the situation, what is the science behind that? What's going on? I mean, I think a lot of it boils down to understand, again, when we kind of dive deep into him and help him understand what his values are, what his, you know, what is, why he's acting the way he is and why he's feeling the way he is, um, that alone provides this sort of foundation, this, this peace of mind, this understanding of I'm this way and there's nothing wrong with that. And he realizes that, that that's just the, that's just the way he is. So when, so when he's around people, he has this less of a inclination to, to, uh, to impress them. And, um, I think by just doing that when he's around them, um, emotionally, he's slowly been able to just kind of, yeah, pull himself out of the situation and just kind of relax a bit. And is it, is it giving meaning to the, you know, to the situation or, or to, to his, um, you know, to his job? Is, is that what's driving it? Yeah, I think he, I, a lot of it kind of boils down to he's, he's, yeah, I mean, he, I guess he's kind of, uh, understood a bit more about what drives him. Um, so just kind of recognizing, um, that what, what he really wants out of the job and where he's kind of going and, um, and yeah, and just kind of just not really over over analyzing and over preparing every situation he's jumping into, and just kind of understanding that, like, you know, when you're around people, and kind of these are the, some of the things I'll tell him. I'll tell him, you know, naturally he's gone through his life expecting people to not understand him. So through his life, he's gone in these situations where he starts to 
almost expect people to not understand him. So as the human brain works, it's going to start picking up on everyone's facial 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 gestures, everyone's body language. So when he's around people, they might be totally understanding him, but he's picking up on these cues and he's reacting to them inside, and it's making him get and he's seeing nervous a anxiety. And so now every time he hangs out with these people, he's seeing those things. So he over repairs and he feels that way, and then he walks away thinking they don't get it. And and there's the cycle, and it's that yeah. cycle, right? So just helping him understand that that's that's why he's doing it, and kind of just explaining that to him kind of helps him kind of just understand it and just kind right. of step back. You're sort of shining a light on, on the situation, you know, for sure. it's been in the dark for so long and you're saying, Hey, well, this is what's happening. Yeah. So, you know, as a coach, I think that's, that, I think that's one of the main benefits of, of having a coach is that they're able to be that, you know, that, that third party, that subjective for sure uh, person who's able to say, Hey, I, based on what you're saying, I'm recognizing these patterns. Are you recognizing these patterns? Because for sure. this is going on in your life. Perhaps this is where the, you know, totally. the, the cause is coming from. Absolutely. I mean, he bounces things off me now and he's like, Oh, okay. Now I feel better. Totally. Right? Um, and I think it, a lot of it just goes down to explaining, you know, the, the, our brains are designed to look out for every crappy thing in our lives. You know, our brain is hardwired to be negative, right. um, ever since, you know, thousands of years ago. And so now we've, a, in, in today's age, I, every, everything that is a potential threat to our emotional or physical health, our brain is going to, sort of first recognize it and see if it relates to something we've gone through. And if it does, then it's going to fire off anxiety, fire off some worry, fire off some fear to hold us back from experiencing that pain again. It's that amygdala, amygdala just yeah, exactly. you know, firing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danger, danger, yeah, exactly. danger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, cra it's crazy. I mean, when you, and, and, you know, going back to that science, you know, to that science, once you learn that your, your, your body is designed to keep you safe and your mind is designed to keep you safe. And it's that amygdala that's saying, you know, what might be a, a, a weird looking facial fe feature in somebody in a party might be portrayed as uh, uh, somebody who is angry at you and, and, as crazy as this sounds, is trying to kill you. <laughs> sure, yeah, no, it's exactly. Back, back thousands of years yeah, ago, that's what it would have been, ago, right? That's the way it works. It's, it's yeah. kind of the same. It's, it's, it, you know, our brain's been developing every, you know, every, every thousands of years, right? So we've got a bit of that still in us, right. unfortunately. Right. <laughs> just, just sort of shifting a little, a little bit. Um, do you have a definition of success? I guess for me, or for anyone, it would be, you know, I'm a big on obviously, you know, finding something that you're passionate about. Um, again, passion and purpose are those words I'm not even a big fan of despite using them just because, again, it, I find it's hard for people to relate to those words. You know, we hear, oh, find your passion, do what you love. Right. But they're so hard to relate to because we see people either doing them that don't know how to tell us how to get our passion or people tell us to find our passion but they're not giving us very solid advice. And I feel like I, 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 I agree with you. And I, I feel like there's this sense of, oh, I'm just going to walk down the street one day and it's going to come flat into my face. And I'm all of a sudden going to realize this is my passion. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, mm -hmm. but I think people put so much stress on themselves and mm -hmm. so much um, focus that they can wander around in a daze for, for years. And, and it, it might turn out that, their passion is is something completely. Uh, it, sorry, it, it's something that they didn't, never would have thought that it actually is, and, and they're doing it every day. And it's it doesn't have to be painting or yeah. making music or coaching. It, it could very well be something completely different. I, I totally agree. I think um, nowadays, because we've been 
told to find something we love from, you know, Steve Jobs to, you know, lots of other leaders in the world that we, it's confusing people because before it was just, you know, get a job that makes money, get a job that's safe and keep going. But now it's find something you love. But the problem is people tell us to find a job we're passionate about or that we love, but you know, passion and love are just emotions. The problem is, is that their emotions we're not overly familiar with. Like for instance, for me to say, I love my my uh, my family, I love my hometown, I love, you know, the Vancouver Canucks is completely different than how I say I love my career. Or I don't even know how to personally describe passion. It's such a weird, you know what I mean? So when people tell you to use these emotions to find what you're passionate about, it's impossible to relate it to your career. So Jerry, to- Jerry Seinfeld likes to say that people are in love with laundry. <laughs> like, what? what does that mean? They're like, well, they love the New York Yankees and they love the Vancouver Canucks, but really they're just in love with the jersey that's on these players, you know, back. So they're in love with laundry. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah uh, I, I i i totally agree it's just like it's uh it's it's hard to relate those things to to uh to a career and so it's um it, it often sort of just confuses people um so i just try to tell people you know stop looking for your love the love of your career stop looking for passion start looking for something that excites you Start looking for something that um that gets you frustrated that gets you angry that gets you um it makes you feel any form of emotion whether it's negative or positive because whatever emo- you you have emotional investment in you'll be able to turn it into something because if it's something positive you'll want to kind of share that experience with people if it's something negative you've gone through, like my mom passing away, it's something that I want to change for people. So those are kind of the two things I find people either have a positive experience and they want to share it, or it's a negative thing and they want to change it for people. And that's usually what kind of drives people. But that's kind of my, my going back to kind of what I was trying to um, definition of success is, you know, finding your purpose, um, living something, doing something you're fulfilled in um, that you love doing on a daily basis, but making sure that it actually makes a difference in people's lives. Very cool. Do you have um, somebody in mind that personifies this? Uh, in terms like celebrities or it doesn't have to be celebrities. Or, it could just um, be, you know, somebody that we may not even know about. Okay. Sure. Uh, I mean, success wise, I mean, I, I, I always look up to people like Tony Robbins. I mean, despite being what I was saying about the self-help industry, I, I, I find his knowledge is, is very practical and science-based. Yeah. He has a very science-based way yeah, of looking at it. Yeah, you know, I, and, I, the neuro-linguistic neuro yes, programming yes, side of things. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he sometimes gets a bit of a bad rep because people don't actually look enough into what he's talking about. They just see these big, mm-hmm. uh, these big staged events and they think, oh, he's just, you know, getting people motivated. But, you know, it's, it's very much the opposite. Um, Richard Branson, I, I really look up to. And uh, even um, Mark Benioff, who's mm. the CEO of Salesforce. Oh, cool. Um, he's got a pretty interesting story uh, behind him as What's well. What's his story? Well, it's, and I'm, I'm might get this a bit off, but basically when he first started Salesforce, he created this um, one, one, one model. And it was some, something along the lines of basically right from the get go, he took like 1% of profits, 1% of equity and 1% of something else. And always was giving it back hmm. to, you know, uh, nonprofits or charity. And wow. he's done that from day one. And so I just think he's a very big, his focus and all their focuses is to, you know, follow their passion, but make a difference in the world and other people's lives as well. Very purpose-based. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. How do you know you're doing a good job at what you do? Uh, For me personally? Yeah. I guess uh, for me, I, when I, when I guess I know when I'm, when I'm taking in enough information from the people around me, um, when I'm taking enough time to read and to really learn about things and learn about myself and apply it to whether it's an article I write, uh, whether it's uh, a co- person that I help out or whether it's, you know, a, a course that I teach or whatnot. Um, 
and then see the reaction, see, see it benefiting someone's life. And how do you know you're off course? When, when, when are things not going so well? Definitely when I overthink things. I mean, a lot of the stuff I write about, let's, let's be honest, I'm human. So I do a lot of the things that I, totally. that I write about. Um, but yeah, you know, when I overthink, um, when I find that I'm not taking time to appreciate what I do, um, as, 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 humans, we, we have a tendency to do a lot of things, but not take the time to appreciate them. We get a bunch, through a bunch of things. And then at the end of the day, we're only focused on the things we didn't do. And it's that kind of constant sort of cycle of just not really recognizing the things you're doing and just kind of always trying to get more. So those are kind of... And tell, tell us more about these articles. I mean, you, you've written some kick-ass articles for Time Magazine and it was an entrepreneur. Yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, tell, tell the listeners more about that. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I started writing a blog um, on the anniversary of my mom's passing a couple years back. And as I was writing the blog, I was, you know, starting to put my words together for the first time ever. And then about three or four months into it, I was kind of like, you know, why is anyone going to read my blog? You know, what's the point of, you know, who's going to read my blog? There's there, a million blogs there's out there. That, there's, that, there's that inner voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It was kind of like, why, you know, why should people read my blog? Right. So I said, you know, what, why don't I try to submit it to a, to one of my favorite magazines? So I went online, found Fast Company and uh, fired it off and they, they accepted the first one and um, kind of went from there. I got a few more f- published from them and then uh, got in with uh, Time and uh, an Entrepreneur Magazine after that as well. So. And, and is writing hard for you, easy for you, f- challenge, you know, frustrating? Like what's the what's that process like? I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably from when I was a kid, I always used to write a lot. So I find I, I, it helps me put my thoughts together. It helps me look internally at what what's going on in my life, see the challenges that I'm facing and then relate them to what other people I see going through. And then thinking, okay, if I'm going through this, other people must be going through it too. So it's obviously, you know, somewhat of a common problem and then creating a strategy or a solution behind it. And then when I write, um, I think I've been getting, you know, a lot of what my readers tell me is that I, I try, it's very, I try to keep it a very science and factual based, but I try to simplify the crap out of it. You know, I, I try to, I, I, I talk, I write as if I was reading it, you know what I mean? And I try to, it's try to simplify it and make it as easy to read as possible. Um, not a lot of jargon, just this is what's happening inside you. And this is what you need to change to get past it. Mm. And uh, all the writers that we've spoken to say it's you know, the first time it's so difficult because you don't have that feedback. Mm-hmm. You don't have somebody sitting in front of you that's nodding their head or shaking their head or giving you a weird look For or sure. smiling, you know, it's just you and your computer, you, you know, you, you have yourself. So to hear that you're writing for yourself, um, it, I always find fascinating because that's uh, you need you needed to be thinking about what that audience is for sure. I mean, and, and yeah, like when I say you know, I'm obviously my end goal is to is to write for other people and make a difference in, in their lives. But I when my initial sort of ideas come from what I see going on around me or what I see going on inside me, and then I apply it to kind of what other people are saying or maybe start asking questions and sort of interview people and make sure that I am on point with what right. I'm thinking before I start writing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but it's definitely hard when you're not getting that initial feedback from, from someone being right there for sure. What are some of your core beliefs? Um, core beliefs? Uh, I guess I believe that you know, one, we need, as I was mentioning before, we need to really take time to appreciate the things we do in life. Um, if we don't, we kind of get into these horrible cycles of just 
constantly always searching and trying to get better, but never really actually getting, getting there. And I'm not enjoying the journey. Um, so I try to focus on that. I try to focus on, um, being grateful. Um, I, I find that, do, you know, do you have a gratitude uh, practice? You know, gratitude is something I've been trying to study as much as possible. Cause again, it's one of those things that's yeah. been out there forever. It's, there, yeah. it's a common, common, Oh, be grateful, be grateful, be yeah, grateful. Yeah. And I find it hard sometimes. It's yeah. not easy. And like, you know, living in Vancouver, we have a lot of great things going on in our lives and I, it's easy to catch yourself, but I find it sometimes hard to be grateful. You know, it's it, for anyone, it's, it's hard to, to recognize the things that you have in your life and just be grateful for them despite what else is going on in the world. So I've been trying to focus and really study a lot again, the science behind it and really been understanding kind of what happens inside our brain when we're grateful and just kind of understanding that of how it affects us. Um, you know, when we actually do focus on gratitude, it actually releases, you know, dopamine and serotonin in our body. So that makes us feel better. And then the more we focus on it and just the fact, the act of like searching for something to be grateful for, it actually makes the neurons in your brain more efficient <laughs> at being grateful. So the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And so it's like a muscle. It's like, yeah, going, exactly. to, it's like going to the gym. Absolutely. So the more you can kind of rely on that as a way to get through challenges in your life. It's, it's quite, I, I, you know, I've done some reading on it as well. And it's, it's quite closely tied to meditation in For that, sure. to, you know, the, the more you practice, the, the easier it gets, but also it's, you're not, you're not practicing the active meditation. You're actually working out the muscle that um, allows you to, uh, you know, focus and, and recognize that space and, and um, take, you know, you're almost walk, you're watching your thoughts and, mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. For sure. And yeah. I think it just, uh, it just makes you feel more appreciative for, for what you have. So, yeah, so I try to focus on, you know, grateful. And then um, I guess another thing that I try to really focus on is, you know, just not always – I find a lot of people or we all kind of tend to say, you know, I'm going to be happy when this happens. I'm going to feel successful when I reach this level in my career. I'm going to – you know, life's going to be perfect when I got – you know, this happening in my life, you know, we're always, I find that that's a common thing we always say, but the problem is when we do that is we're always kind of telling our brain to be in a lacking state mm -hmm. to, we're training our brain to say, you don't have, like, in order to get what you want, you have to not have it. Right. So your brain's constantly thinking, okay, it's good to be in this state. So either one, two things are going to happen. Either one, you're going to accomplish that thing and you're not going to feel satisfied because your brain's going to go, no, we need to go to something else to feel, to get successful. Or two, your brain and your subconscious is going to actually self-sabotage what your, your path to getting there. And you're going to come across obstacles and you're going to be like, why do I keep hitting these same obstacles? Why do I keep coming across these same roadblocks? And it's going to actually stop you from achieving those things. So I try to focus on really just saying to myself, I'm happy. I'm content. I'm, you know, I'm successful as it is right now, regardless of how much better I want to get in right. those areas in my life. Do you believe in goal setting? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you, do you call it goal setting or do you believe in, um, you know, what, what do you believe in when it comes to, to goal setting? Yeah, I, I definitely think goal setting's key. I think, um, creating a, almost like a system in place, uh, that you can kind of do on a daily and weekly basis is key too. Um, there's a book called the lean startup, um, that I, uh, I, I read a while back and I loved and I, Eric, I, Eric Reese. Yes. Yeah. 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 I wrote an article on the methodology behind it in, in fast company and basically kind of took his methodology and applied it to personal development. And cause I kind of 
yeah, I was like, you know, if, if, if all these amazing technology companies are fast forwarding their success and getting all these amazing results, why can't we use it as individuals? And so I try to sort of set up a similar system, um, with, with, uh, my clients or with myself where, yeah, you have a long-term vision and the vision kind of is the main kind of long-term focus. Um, you set the short-term goals, you have the short-term milestones where you're kind of reassessing everything you're going through and you're constantly kind of measuring where you're going. Um, and then in between that all, just constantly trying to experience as much as possible, learn and apply that knowledge back into the mm-hmm. system and keep improving it. Yeah, the article is called Four Lean Strategies You Can Use to Innovate Your Life. That would be it. <laughs> awesome. It's actually, it's had two and, a, two and a half thousand shares on Facebook. That's that's pretty killer. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's cool that you can kind of see some of the stats there. It yeah. makes me feel a bit better <laughs> knowing that people there's are that, reading it. <laughs> there's that feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, totally. Nice. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about your your mentor that that you mentioned. Uh, you lost to, to suicide. If, if we're okay to talk sure, about absolutely, that, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how how did he kill himself? What what was that situation uh, all about? But I, I'd also like to talk about what your your relationship was like and and what that mentor mentee um, relationship. Uh, look like? Sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, when I was 18, I, uh, I dropped out of college and, uh, started up uh, my own personal training business. And, uh, he was one of my first clients that I ever had a uh, very successful uh, businessman and kind of was my first regular client trained him three times a week. And we worked closely together and, uh, he was the type of guy who, you know, took me to Canuck games, brought me over to his wife's house for dinner and just kind of became very close. And then, uh, he, he basically eventually pulled me into his business and brought, cause I wanted to get out of personal training and, um, and what so sort of business was it? It was a um, mortgage, uh, mortgage lending. So I kind of, uh, joined that, uh, with him and, uh, and was kind of taken under his wing again. And he just had this massive impact on my life. He was just incredibly influential. Um, I just always appreciated how he didn't really have to do anything for me. I'm just, you know, on his scale, I'm a nobody, you know, compared to all the success and the people in his life. But he, for whatever reason, took a liking to me. And, you know, he always said, you know, whatever I can do to make you happy, I will do. And I always kind of took that with me to really appreciate that because it meant a lot to have someone like that kind of care for me. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of how we developed our relationship. And then once shortly after the crash happened in uh, in 08 um, is when he took his life. So, yeah. What did it mean to you to to have that relationship, and 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 what sort of value do you think you gave to him as as his mentee? Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I think again, what it realized at that point for me is again, doesn't matter who success, how successful you are, if you're at the top of the the food chain, you're the CEO or whatever it is, um, we all have issues we're going through. And I think, in particularly, why I sometimes like working with with leaders is because leaders often don't have anywhere else to turn to. They're at the top, and again, going back to you know being men or women or whatever and not knowing how to, you know, deal with the issues we're facing. I don't think he had many outlets. And so I think um, having friends like me or people that he could kind of turn to, unfortunately, I wish I would have known more about it so I could have been there for him. But having a mentor like him was just, it really, I think what it did was it made me expect more for myself and it made me realize, surprised me with good things that happen. And it really gave me a lot more responsibility and just kind of uh, appreciation f- um, for what I've been doing and a lot more kind of credibility. Um, and so just having him there just kind of um, gave me a lot more confidence as well. And so I think we kind of had that kind of relationship where I was kind of his buddy that could he could rely on. And, and I, he was kind of my mentor that, that I could rely on for him for advice. 
Right. Do you have, do you have a definition for what it means to be a man today? I, I personally don't have a particular yeah, one. Um, not many do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think to be a man today is to, you know, be able to be, you know, emotionally secure, emotionally connected with yourself so that you, cause I mean, at the end of the day, everything we do in life is, is, is to feel something, right? It's all driven by emotion. You know, we don't like the word emotion, but everything we do, we do to f- get excited, to, to be successful, to feel con- accomplished or whatever it is. So I think, um, someone who is emotionally connected with themselves and is able to really be emotionally intelligent, whether it's around their family, their kids, um, their spouse, their friends, um, and also be okay, you know, being vulnerable in situations and being able to accept where they are weak and admit where they're weak in order to better themselves and better the people around them. And, you know, I, th- I guess that that's kind of that's part, very, part yeah. of the definition. Yeah. Very, <laughs> that's very, very, very cool. I think that's amazing. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's, um, it's very true to how the modern man is, has evolved. I mean, we are, we are, uh, I think we're being forced to become more emotionally connected with ourselves and others, and and you know with with the uh, with technology the way it is, and with the lack of human connection and, and contact uh, where it is right now, we're having to en- enhance our emotional intelligence and and uh, and ensure that that's a solid foundation for the way we live our lives. So that's a really really cool answer. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I def, I, I remember I was talking to someone a while back, and he, he asked me that definition. This was like a long time ago, and he asked me what do, what what do you what do I define a man as? And I said strong, confident, you know, powerful, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, he's like, yeah, but do you feel that way? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> and so he's like, well, yeah, it's because you know you can you can personify that on the outside, but if you're not confident, strong on the inside, which you get by being brutally honest with yourself and being okay with everything about yourself, then you can grow up from the inside out and, and kind of, uh, you know, be that person that you want to be. Totally. Totally. If you uh, could choose one legacy to, to leave, um, down the road, what would that look like? Legacy? I think, I mean, my biggest focus is to make a difference in people's lives. I, love helping and working with like uh, kids and families in, in, um, and unfortunate circumstances. Um, if, if the legacy was that I was able to create or provide an approach to simplifying and making life easier for people and something that not only I could coach my clients on, um, something that people could access easy. Um, so whether it's online or a program that people can use, whether they have no money or little money, but just kind of get the access out there for people to understand more about what's going on within their bodies and utilize that information in order to be more successful in their careers, um, be more effective in their relationships and essentially be more confident and happy in their lives. Um, if I could, you know, make that access that that sort of approach accessible to to the world that that'd be that'd be my legacy absolutely well that's that's an incredible legacy to have yeah, yeah. it's a long shot but you know <laughs> graham we're just about to wrap up here what's one thing that uh, you'd like our listeners to know about uh, what's something you're excited about these days and where can they go to learn more information about you 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my company is Graham Young Strategies. Um, the website is gystrategies.com. And right now, I guess I've been pretty excited about um, some new accelerator programs that I've created. And essentially, the focus is to help people get the results they want quickly. Um, so the, the, the programs usually last between two to three months. And one of the programs that I have is, you know, find your passion in 60 days. And it just kind of helps people get in touch with themselves and really determine what exactly it is their passion within that, a short period of time. Help them get solidified in their career and help them kind of make that move to that career that they're really passionate about. Um, so that's kind of one of the programs. And then another one is just one that I've, and, and so basically actually with that program, I'm planning on sort of doing a few workshops in Vancouver and I'm going to be turning that into an online course as well. So excited to kind of get that out to people and, uh, very soon. Here. Very cool. So you can learn more about that at, at gystrategies.com. Graham Young, thanks so much for being on the Man Talks podcast. Learned all about disruptive performance coaching. Very, very excited to, to keep following you. Um, and like I said, people can learn more about it. gystrategies.com. Thanks again for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Join us next week. Uh, where we interview another amazing man doing amazing things in this world. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.